Hello, and welcome to the Selling St. Pete podcast, your go-to resource for all things real estate and all things St. Pete. I'm your host, Nicole Sanchez. Hello, and welcome to the Selling St. Pete podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Sanchez. On this episode, we are going to be discussing the difference between property types and ownership. Have you ever wondered what the difference between a condo and a co-op is, or a townhome and a villa? Well, we're going to be talking about that very topic on this episode. I'm going to start by sharing my screen and asking you what these four photos have in common. As you can see, four different properties. And the answer to that question is they are all conveyed as condos. In the next question, what do these three structures have in common? The commonality they have is that they are all townhomes. However, they are all conveyed in ownership in different ways. The property on the left in the green is conveyed as a condo. The property in the middle is conveyed as a fee simple townhome, meaning that the owner owns both the land and the property that they reside in. And the third is considered fractional ownership. The owner owns the property in which they reside, but there is a land lease that they have to pay monthly. And so they don't own the land on which the property sits. And lastly, these are examples of villas and duplexes. And the reason I included duplexes is because sometimes they can be uh, confused for one another. A villa is a structure in which, or property in which the owner owns the dwelling that they live in, but they do have shared walls with another property owner. With a duplex, the owner owns both properties within the, under the same roof. So, for this example, the properties on the left side of the screen are villas, and the property on the right side of the screen are duplexes. But oftentimes, if you don't know um, which is which, you could often think that a villa is a duplex or vice versa. So that brings me to another piece of data that I want to share with you, and that is disclosures. With condos and co-ops, um, there will be additional disclosures that must be shared with prospective buyers by sellers who are going to be purchasing those products. And I'm going to share my screen once again. <clears throat> this condominium governments form 
is required by Florida um, Department of Business and Professional Regulation that it be shared with anyone who's purchasing a condo. And this government's document goes over the role of the board of directors, um, gives some information about meetings and notices, elections, association finances, what the role of the unit owners are, general rules, um, what unit owners have the right to, as well as uh, election and voting information, association budget information. And then one thing that is important to note, when you are buying a condo or a co-op, there is a three-day rescission period um, within receiving the documents that the seller must provide. There is a receipt of the condo or cooperative documents acknowledging that you as a buyer received those documents from the seller and the documents that must be provided are spelled out for both the condominium or the cooperative documents. For the condominium, uh, a current copy of the Declaration of Condominium, articles of incorporation, the bylaws, the rules of the association, and a copy of the most recent year-end financial information and frequently asked questions should be provided by the seller. And for sellers, you will wanna provide that as soon as a buyer goes under contract or even prior to the buyer going under contract because that three-day rescission period will start from when they acknowledge receipt or when they receive those documents. For the co-op, the documents that a seller must share are a copy of the articles of incorporation, the bylaws, the rules of the association, and questions and answers if requested in writing. Additionally, there are writers that will accompany um, the contract. This is an example that the DBPR uh, provides with the frequently asked questions, asking um, the seller to complete this. A lot of lenders, if you're getting financing, lenders will ask for this and may have their own uh, frequently asked questions form. And then this is a copy of what a condo writer looks like for people that are using the FARBAR contract, whether it's the residential, um, the standard contract or the as-is contract. And then there is also this addendum for people that are using um, the contract that we call the CRISP contract. And then lastly, there is the co-op addendum. If you are someone that likes to read through all of the writers and um, language of the contract prior to going under contract, I would be happy to provide you with a copy of these documents. Um, but largely the things that are outlined in the rider are information about whether or not the association needs to approve the buyer in order to make the purchase, if the association has the first right of refusal, 
what the fees are, what the monthly fees are, or how they're, uh, how the pay is scheduled, whether it's monthly, quarterly, semi-annually, or annually. If there are any assessments or additional fees for recreation areas or amenities. Um, if there are, if there has been any litigation, um, and then here you can see the non-developer disclosure that the buyer either acknowledges that they've been provided the documents that I outlined previously, or that this agreement is voidable um, if the buyer delivers written notice within three days of receiving these documents. In this paragraph here, it shows whether the buyer requests or does not request the documents. And if there are any common elements, those are outlined here, whether it's parking, garage, or any other things, boat slips, storage spaces are common things that are listed in this common elements area. And this would be similar information, but just for, again, a different type of contract. It also outlines um, the application to the association and what happens if there's damage to the common elements. And then with the co-op, it outlines if there's an existing mortgage, if uh, there's a land lease, um, and additional things that are pertinent to owning a co-op. So what is the difference between a co-op and a condominium? When you purchase a condominium, you are purchasing, you own the unit that you are residing in and a share of the common elements. When you purchase in a co-op, you technically own a share of the property. Now, oftentimes that share equates to the square footage of the property or the unit that you're residing in, but technically it's a share. They don't specify, typically they don't specify which unit that is. You're just a share member of the structure. And then a townhome, if at the beginning I mentioned that one of the townhomes was sold fee simple. And that means that that townhome old owner owns both the structure and the land sitting underneath the structure. So those are the primary differences. And with a villa, oftentimes it's a single story, it has a shared wall and um, that that's the primary difference between a villa and say a townhome or a duplex. Some duplexes are two-story or multi-story and some are more villa style. So townhome and villa are more property styles and condominium, co-op and fee simple are ownership, the way that the, the um, property is conveyed to the new owner. And there is a fourth type of ownership and that is fractional ownership, 
whether you own a fraction or in, um, of the interest in the property, say 80% or 50% of the property, or you own a fraction of the year in which you can utilize the property. And in this instance, I am going to show you how you can tell the ownership, what the ownership is when you're looking at documents um, within the MLS. So with this document, you can see that this property is a townhouse and that is um, designated or defined in the property style, which you can see is highlighted. You can tell that it is a fee simple townhome by one of two things. One is looking at the legal description. Typically, if a property is being conveyed fee simple, you will have a lot number assigned in the legal description. You can also see here in the ownership section that it is outlined as fee simple. So again, this is a fee simple townhome, meaning that the owner owns both the property and the land that the property sits on. This townhome is considered fractional ownership. Here you can see again, the property style is townhome. In the remarks, you see both fractional ownership as well as um, some information about the land lease. This also has um, income restrictions for people who are looking to purchase this. And you can see in the legal description, it could be a little confusing because it does have a lot number, but again, the ownership is considered fractional due to the land lease. With this townhome, again, you can see in the property style, it is designated as a townhome, but when you look in the legal description, you can see that it is condo, and that is verified in the ownership here that lists it as a condominium. And then I have a couple of examples, a couple additional examples of fractional ownership. This is a single family home in which the person who is purchasing this home will purchase an 80% interest in the property and it is being conveyed fractional. For this property, this is down in Siesta Key in Sarasota. This is um, fractional ownership of a condo for, for all intents and purposes. You can see the property style listed as a condominium. But when you purchase it, you're purchasing 1 16th share of ownership. And this is a winter fractional package, meaning that the time that you're purchasing is during the winter months. And then it's outlines that you get a couple of weeks. And then you can see, again, the ownership is fractional. And this last um, example is, an interesting example, it's a single family home where the owner is selling it as a co-op or fractional. Um, there are multiple options that the owner is offering, uh, whether it's owner financing or fractional options. You can see you can purchase up to 
three nine three quarter ownership, meaning nine of twelve months, or two thirds ownership to a half of years ownership to a quarter or a third. And again, selling that as a co-op. So those are the primary ways that you can own a property, not to be confused with ways that owners take title. That's a whole separate issue and we can address that in a future uh, podcast episode. And lastly, I just wanted to talk about some of the pros and cons of shared or community living. And that would be when you're living in a, a building where you share walls with neighbors. Some of the pros are that there's generally less maintenance. Um, it's typically easier to leave for a while or an extended period of time. So if you're a snowbird or you're looking to live down here part-time, it's much easier to leave um, a condo or a townhome than it is a single family home because of the less maintenance and because there are other people that can check on the mail or um, just look in on your place much easier than a single family home. Not to say that that can't be done, but it is a little bit easier when you're in a community. Um, there's shared costs for maintenance and capital pro um, improvements such as the roof. Um, and you also can share with the cost of the amenities. And lastly, sometimes you will get bulk rating for cable and internet, which can be an added bonus and save you a little bit of money. Some cons for shared living is that um, sometimes your neighbors can have a negative impact on whether it's noises or smells, whether it's cooking or animals, um, sometimes those smells and noises can spill outside of the unit and into your unit, and um, that can be a negative. Um, if you live in a community that has a controlling or very nitpicky HOA or association, that can drive some people a little crazy if they don't want their neighbors constantly um, being the rules police although other people like it because they know that there are rules that are meant to be enforced so that um, you don't have things um, like noisy neighbors or people painting the exterior of the unit crazy colors or having commercial vehicles or having pets or not having pets. Lots of different rules that each of the associations will have. Um, Another con is that you have limited control over what the condo fees are, or you may have an assessment that you don't have the ability to um, control whether or not you have an assessment. And you may have to get outside approval for repairs or renovations that you want to make. I know some communities require repair people or outside vendors to be approved by the association before they're allowed to do any work on the property. And oftentimes that's just to make sure that they have the proper insurance um, and licensure, but um, you wanna make sure that you know that going into a purchase for one of those properties. 
And lastly, you know, the rules of the association can be a pro or a con, depending on um, whether or not you like the rules of the association that you're moving into and the building that you're moving into. But I highly recommend that you read thoroughly through the documents so that you know what you're getting into prior to um, making a large purchase because it is a large purchase. So with that, I hope you have a better understanding of what the difference between a co-op and a condo, a townhome and a villa is. And if you have any questions, please don't hesitate, reach out to me, text me, call, send a DM. I'd love to help you when you are looking to make your purchase or to sell your property here in St. Pete. Thanks so much and have a great night. Good night. Thanks for listening. If you'd like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you can listen to future episodes.